0: Welcome to Ageless by Rescue. This podcast is devoted to exploring the science of rejuvenation, uncovering the most trusted experts, the must-have products, innovations and technology in the field of vitality, aesthetics, new beauty and cosmetic enhancement. This is an episode dedicated to the pesky skin condition of adult acne. Dr. Devin Lim is an Australian board certified laser procedural and aesthetic dermatologist and founder of Cutis Clinic and Cutis Medical Practices in Brisbane. Dr. Lim is a highly regarded expert around the world for his expertise and is best known for his passion in the treatment of acne scarring, hyperpigmentation and vascular conditions with various laser types. He is a master of explaining the science and practical strategies to combat and treat skin conditions that confound and vex us. In this episode with Dr. Lim, our second episode with Dr. Lim, we focus on adult acne. Dr. Lim deep dives into the causes, the treatments, lifestyle changes, and the products that can dramatically improve and potentially eradicate this this skin condition. From hormones, supplements, lasers and products. This episode is essential for anyone who is looking for scientifically based answers and solutions to adult acne. Dr. Devin Lim, I want to say to you that you are my first expert that's been on the show twice. I was so excited to get hold of you after all my attempts. And (laughs) after our first conversation, I actually felt like we didn't even get to the, the one that I wanted to speak to you about the most your area of expertise, the thing that you are a superstar for on social media and also as a consulting expert, adult
1: acne. Yes, well, first of all, thank you very much for getting me back. I feel honoured for that, seriously, yeah. So let's talk about adult acne. It's super common. Uh, you can lead and I'll uh, I'll answer.
0: You know, one of the things that I think is really interesting um, and, you know, uh, I guess... Uh, the perils of aging is you know you spend your whole life avoiding something and you think you're home and hosed and then another iteration of it comes so you know when it comes to fertility you spend your whole life not wanting to get pregnant and then you spend this enormous part of your life trying to get pregnant and then you you, you know you deal dealing with perimenopause and menopause and acne seems to be one of those crazy things that
1: you follow throughout the life
0: yeah. <laughs> And so, it's a hormonal issue, largely correct.
1: Yeah, I, I think. Look, I absolutely uh, agree with you. It basically follows you throughout your life, from your teens to your twenties. When you're on the pill, it camouflages your acne. You're on anti hormones. You're on th- when you're thirty. You're actually on anti hormones. Everything looks good. Mid thirties or early thirties, want to have kids, go off the uh, the pill. Next thing you know, acne hits. So. In, in order to answer that question, I think there's multifaceted, multifactorial. When we call it hormonal acne, it is a true term, but I think that term has been misused a lot, um, and it's partly because of social media. It, and everyone, look, we, we see and they go, look, you know, your hormones are okay, but then they say, oh, no, it can't be hormonal acne because my hormones are okay. So I think it encompasses a lot of different types of acne. We call it hormonal acne because the main thing to understand is that you're in the majority of cases, so probably about 98% of the cases, your hormones are actually fine, but your gland or oil gland is sensitive to uh, normal hormones. So what we call an intracrine abnormality, not in- endocrine. Right. So, so you're absolutely right. The most common is hormonal, but obviously the other factors that come into play, which is like diet stress, poor skin care, <clears throat> uh, and, um, for example, poor makeup uh, use and and not washing your 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 face correctly so there's so many issues uh in regards to that even with diet as well
0: so let's let's break down the different causes because i think that this is um, a really interesting area to unpack i want to first start with um the the topical things because one of um the uh, the great kind of explosions uh in the beauty industry is the many things we can do topically for our skin and particularly in the anti-aging realm. And it seems to me, even though my background is from the cosmetic industry, you know, I'm not a doctor, but I am from the cosmetic industry. And I remember, you know, having been a C-suite executive for some pretty major brands in my time, the explosion of the number of things you can do to yourself at home and the explosion of the number of products that you can have on your skin at any one time, it it, it strikes me as problematic.
1: Absolutely agree. So (laughs) as you know, now with um, acne, you know, you read any blog, and and I guess it's a double-edged sword because a double-edged knife because you've got so much information out there on the internet and everyone is an expert because you can Google how to treat acne, skincare ingredients for acne, you know, best acne care, and you just have a million different things out there, and all the different skincare like you've, like you've perceived and everything from, you know, naturopathic things like witch hazel and tea tree oil, all the way up to your, uh, you know, topical retinoids, whether it be your adapalene, tri- uh, Tropharotene, your, your uh, tazarotene, or Tretinoin, and everything in between. Um, so I think where I think this is really bad is, is that with a whole amount of information out there, patients decide to pick and choose. Right. And with that, for example, you know, combining well, I mean, they it's, it's not to have a go at them because I understand it's it's, you know, it, it's the influential um, people out there plus the marketing. And that's when they combine different things. You know, they might go, cool, you know, a beta hydroxy acid, something like salicylic acid wash, that that's really good. So I'll use that. And you know what, a retinoid or retinol is really good, I'll use that. I'll use vitamin C because there's less pigment from the uh, from the acne itself. But when they combine all of that, um, as you know, bad things happen.
0: So it's so, literally like conducting a crazy science experiment on your face twice a day.
1: Absolutely. And and I think the majority of patients, you know, just looking at how, uh, you know, this progression of, of knowledge out there for the patients, you know, from the early, from the late 90s when I started in Durham to now, we see this huge explosion and, that's why we use the word iatrogenic. In other words, caused by the person themselves. Yeah, and, and
0: <laughs> most I things in know, life are that way.
1: Yeah, and the vast, the, the vast majority of stuff we see now is irritant dermatitis, especially when a patient comes in with acne. You can see that their skin is irritated. They've ripped it off with their VHAs, They've laid their retinol, and they're wondering why their skin is so bad. And to be fair to them, I think you know there's there's knowledge out there, but then. As you know, a little bit of knowledge can be uh, can be bad.
0: Okay, so let's talk about the simplification of the skincare routine in an adult acne-prone skin. As a dermatologist, as an acne expert, what are some of the things that we can stop doing, and what are the some of the things that we can do at home safely?
1: Okay, so the, the simplest is this. If I can cut through all the crap out there and all the let's try this, this, and this, if patients understand every single thing they put on their face, it counts, right? And it decreases your skin's threshold for irritancy. So the whole idea with a good acne skincare routine is whatever you chuck on your face, make it count, right? It doesn't matter about the rest. So I guess to cut the long story short, Start off with a really simple uh, cleanser and a really simple moisturizer. You need a moisturizer because you want to actually help your skin's um, barrier function, right? And then from there, by hook or by crook, if you can get yourself a topical retinoid, not retinol, retinoid. So something like uh, adapalene, which is you know, um, freely available in the U.S. topically, right, as a retinoid. So if you use a simple moisturiser, simple cleanser, you chuck on a retinoid, you wait for 10 weeks. If so the retinoid, happened, let
0: me, you said it's available in the US. We're in Australia. Is this now a prescription item?
1: It is, but like I said, if you're resourceful, you'll be able to get it. So I'm not, I'm not, I'm not endorsing overseas pharmacies, yeah, but at the end of the day, if you're resourceful, you can get yourself a retinoid. Obviously, we can't get it here through TGA uh, because of all the uh, red tape. But if it's FDA approved, CE approved from overseas, it is safe in that context. So if you're on this topical, right, and you've done everything you can to to reduce the amount of acne, it could be diet, could be you know, um, good good uh, makeup practices, reduce stress, the whole lot. And if your acne has not settled in the next eight to ten weeks, there is nothing out there that you can buy, whether it be your you know um HPR your retinol your niacinamide your azalic acid so basically what I'm trying to get at with patients is that skip all the junk go into something which is good as a medically prescribed with a lot of efficacy behind it and lots of studies and then if your if your acne is not responding climb up the ladder don't go back right and it saves a, a hell of a lot of time, effort, money, and a lot of acne scarring if you climb up that ladder. But have have that takeoff point a lot higher than your fluffy stuff.
0: So, when you say fluffy stuff, um, what are some of the things that are uh, floating around in the you know uh, universe that people yeah. think? is helpful if they've got acne. So let's kind of list some of those things so that people go, oh, I don't really do much, but let's talk about some of the things they may be doing that we should potentially ditch.
1: Yeah, so once again, it's not about whether something can work. It's about the probability of things. So when you look at the probability of, for example, a medically prescribed retinoid topically, you know that the probability of that working is a lot higher compared to something like a fuzzy retinol, like you know your HPR, your or your grain-active um, uh, retinol that's marketed by, you know, a million different skincare industries, yeah? So I call that fuzzy because it's it, the scientific rationale and the studies behind that is not as uh, robust compared to medically prescribed retinoids. So to name a couple, the retinol, the niacinamide, the HPR, the um, things like... Tea tree What's HPR? The- Sorry, just... Uh, I think it's hydro hydroxy uh retinol, a, yeah, which is basically the 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 short form for uh, the, it's all this marketing stuff like the grand active retinol, yeah, which the ordinary so many other companies market. So it's not, it's just not, it's not, just, it's not just them. A lot of actual uh, companies just market that. Well, the like-
0: acne industry is a hugely lucrative industry, and it because it it you know it points to a trigger of shame concern um so you know if you do marketing based on something that people are horrified by it's the easiest thing to sell right
1: absolutely um and and the other thing what about oils
0: like a lot of people in that natural space will talk to you know some natural things that are great for acne um you haven't mentioned
1: oils yeah yeah so, so the most common is tto yeah we call it tto petri oil so when you look at TTO, yes, it's got efficacy, but once again, it's about the probability of it working and the possibility of it causing uh, not only skin irritation, but allergic contact dermatitis. So it's not, you know, and I, I don't disagree with people out there who just go, oh, you know what, tree will work for me. I understand that it can work for you, but when you look at the probability of it working, it sits much lower compared to the efficacy of prescription retinoids topically. Um, so it's, I, I think, and all the other essential oils probably go in the same basket, but the amount of irritancy that we get from TTO and, and um, we even have patch testing to TTO, which means we know that it's, it's a common source of not just irritant dermatitis, but allergic dermatitis. And we look at the studies between 2 to 3% of the positive patch test in the patch test clinic comes from TTO, and that's just one, um, one ingredient.
0: You you talked about a simple um, cleanser and a simple uh, moisturizer for uh, dermal barrier. Yeah. Um, are you happy to go on record as to what you know oh, yeah. what that might look like?
1: Yeah. So I mean, yeah, sure. I mean, when you look at dermatologists, we always get at Cetaphil, Cetaphil. Actually, do you realise they've changed their uh, product name to Cetaphil, not Cetaphil? No. No, <laughs> so they have. <laughs> so I, I just did a shoot for them a couple of months ago and I used the word Cetaphil. Next thing you know, they reshoot it because they want to actually rebrand it Cetaphil. So, I mean, if you want stuff and, and guidance to their company is that if you want stuff done dirt cheap, Cetaphil is going to do it, right? Um, but then there's so many other moisturisers. La Roche-Posay makes really good ones. Um, La Roche-Posay. Um, yeah, LRP.
0: Yeah, they do a great job. I, I agree. I think that yeah. their brand is
1: and they make an awesome salicylic acid wash. You know, you go to a chemist's warehouse, you buy that 2% salicylic um, acid wash. It's called Ethical um, Microderm or Micro Cleanser. And that one is 25 bucks, and it's going to last you about three, four months. Um, so, you know, you don't have to spend big stuff. For me, that bank for bucks, if you don't have sensitive skin, that, that cleanser with the 2% cell acid is really good. Cerevo makes a good one as well at 1.5%. Um, so you don't have to spend big money. You know, realistically, your, your cleanser is going to cost you anywhere between ten to twenty-five bucks. Your moisturizer is going to cost the same, and that's it. And that should last you at least two to three months. Um, so, so
0: those two cleansers that you spoke of, um, both of them from the L'Oreal stable of brand. The yep. the thing that I understand about them is that they were developed um, as uh, you know pharmacy grade cosmeceutical. Skincare and they've been paired back, so really low in fragrance, low in irritants. Yeah. Is that is yeah. that why you like them?
1: Yeah. So at the end of the day, as dermatologists, like to control <laughs> control the known variables, and the most important variable to control is what's in the skincare. So that way we can uh, decipher between an allergic contact dermatitis, irritant contact dermatitis, um, and go from there. So it, it's just about control, about knowing stuff, because it's impossible for us because when a patient comes in nine out of 10 times that they don't bring their skincare with them. And when they do bring the skincare with them, there'll be so much chemicals preservatives um, in there that it's hard for us to decipher. Uh, But if you keep the known variables, generally speaking, if something goes wrong, whether it be a contact dermatitis or what have you, we can read the ingredients very quickly. Uh, And and what about the
0: moisturizer for the dermal barrier? Uh, Do you have any standouts that you think, you know what, I love this. It always works. It's nice and simple.
1: I think um, look to name a couple. Avène makes really good ones. LRP with the Cicaplast makes really good stuff as well. Um, Cetaphil with their moisturizer, even though it contains uh, you know certain stuff like SLS, it, it's it's all it, it's not about something that's good. It's about something that is low irritant, that doesn't cost the earth, that actually gets the job done. Um, and, and that's what the moisturizers was actually reduce your transepidermal water loss, improve skin barrier function. Uh, and that's all you need. Um, and what
0: about sunscreen? Because you know, obviously we're we're drummed into our heads that you should be wearing an SPF every single day. So if you're trying to kind of simplify for the problem of adult acne, is there a place for sunscreen in this protocol? Yep,
1: yeah, 100% because when you look at the sun, it's a double. Once again, it's double edged because we know that certain wavelengths of light, for example, the blue light and the and the red light, um, can actually help with acne, right? But but also um, the uh, blue light and the UV can make your uh, pigment worse. So and, and when you have pigmentation, eighty percent can persist up to one year, and twenty five percent can persist up to five years. So for us, you know, sunscreen is is uh, is vital in in regards to acne uh, uh, treatment. So it's hard because when you use a high factor SPF, um, it's often occlusive, and even though they say it's non-comedogenic, we know if you're using really thick zinc. That's
0: why um, I'm asking the question because you know we know that. It always feels like it's sitting on top of your skin. There are very, very few brands, but there, you know, there's been some innovation with nanotechnology. There's been innovation in the types of formulations. Have you found any of the newbies, the next generation sunscreens that you go, you know what, even with adult acne, I'm happy for you to use this.
1: Yeah, so cosmetically elegant sunscreens, like you say, they very, very important. And, and But the problem with cosmetically elegant sunscreen is that they cost a lot more. So when you're looking at, you know, really high factor, uh, but also cosmetically elegant, generally speaking, the price point is a lot higher compared to your banana boat or your, you know, cancel council stuff. So on record, I'll tell you this, even though I've got, a, you know, a whole heap of sunscreen, like literally Fifty different brands chucking sunscreen at me. I I'd buy my sunscreen from uh, from Singapore. Ooh. It's not sold here. Yeah, it's not sold here because the SPF is too low. But then it's you know it, it's it's called hydrophase uh, La Roche Posay, and that one for me for for you know Asian oily skin and my wife as well. And you're um, in
0: Brisbane, so you really want something that works.
1: Yeah, yeah. But the thing is that even though it's 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 about getting something that you're actually going to use. There's no point having an an SPF of 120 when it's actually really gunky. It cakes your face. You've got the white sheen. You're not going to use it. You are better off using an SPF 15 or SPF 30 that you're going to use properly compared to a, a higher factor SPF that you're not going to use at all.
0: Have you tried the Naked Sundays or the Ultraviolet brands? Because, I mean, they're flying because they've offered a solution to the yuckiness of sunscreen. And if you're talking about elegant formulas, both of those seem to really deliver on usability and therefore compliance.
1: I've heard of them. I haven't actually used them myself, but thanks for the tip. I'll, I'll actually they're check it beautiful. out. they beautiful. <laughs> So I'll ask the company to chuck chuck me some, um, and that way I can I can review it. So you know in Australia that there's you know something that's I guess compromises your LRP your la right and thelios, that makes some really good sunscreens. They're hybrid sunscreens, uh, high factor SPF fifty plus. Um, you know, and and uh, there's a couple of others. I think Melan Melan one hundred and thirty make really good ones as well. Uh, they call it one hundred and thirty because in Overseas, when they test it, it's 130 SPF, but obviously you can't label that in Australia.
0: Um, So we've got a good cleanser, a good dermal barrier moisturizer. We've got an SPF. Um, Do you ask your patients to have blood tests, hormonal testing? Uh, Do you do any other tests when uh, in the instance of severe adult acne or sudden adult acne?
1: Yes, so to answer that question, when I used to do a lot of medical dermatology and treat acne, I if patients come in in their mid-20s, you know, um, even late 20s, early 30s, I do a whole heap of endocrine tests, right? And and I'll tell you why is because twice a year we'll pick up a tumor. Um, and you heard me right, pick up a tumor. Because when you look at actual hormonal, when when you use the word hormonal acne, the public will have a certain perception. The endocrinologists and dermatologists have a totally different prescription. So when we look at stuff like your 17-hydroxyprogesterone, your prolactin, your dihydroepi in- in- sulfate, sulfate, um, the whole heap of, of um, endocrine tests. Occasionally, like probably once or twice a year, I'll pick up a, um, a, a pituitary tumor um, because the wow. prolactin so it's, it's not it's, that's why I say in 98 99% of the cases, you're absolutely fine. You have normal hormones, sensitive glands. In that 1% to 2%, you may have, for example, con, you know, congenital adrenal hyperplasia. You may have an ovarian tumour. You may have a pituitary tumour. And that 1% to 2% is what the specialist is there for uh, yes. because we pick up the rare stuff. Um, so the answer to your question is that, yes, I do take um, blood tests. Uh, And before I refer them off to my colleagues, I always get the blood test as well. And, And you will pick up one or two a year if you actually look for it.
0: I'm going to ask you a question going back to what we should and shouldn't be putting on our faces and our bodies. Um, I've heard before from dermatologists that, you know, you should be really careful what shampoos you use, what body washers you use, what uh, moisturisers or fragrance you use, because all of that can start having a chemical load and all of that can actually seep onto your skin. And people don't often consider that when they're treating adult acne or any other kind of skin flare-up, all the other things that they're doing. Do you agree with that? 100%,
1: 100%, because remember, acne is a disorder which disrupts your uh, <laughs> your skin's barrier function. So when you have disrupted barrier function because of acne and you're layering in a whole heap of different stuff, like your fragrance, like you say, your preservatives, the whole lot, um, bad things can happen. And that's how you get allergies. You know, You're not born with allergies. People go, oh, no, no, I, I've been using that product for a long time, so I can't be allergic. That's exactly how you get allergic to it. By using it
0: product? frequently and building up that, like an intolerance to it, right?
1: Absolutely. So basically your, your skin barrier function is decreased. You apply this stuff. And what it used to be is that it used to the, – the molecule itself can't penetrate. Next thing you know, it, get, it penetrates the skin barrier function and gets presented to your you know APCs, your endocrine presenting cells, and then that evokes a type 4 type uh, reaction. So you're absolutely right. That's why we, we always uh, – I guess we always – reiterate the point that keep it very simple
0: keep it very very simple dr lim what about um led light therapy there's been this big boost in like blue light therapy i know that you were saying that blue light is in screen light and blue light from uh you know windows and that is bad for scarring but what about blue led light therapy is that um useful in the treatment of acne
1: so the short answer is yes, um, it is. But you need a lot of fluence. So blue light, generally speaking, is about 415 to 420 4, 4, yeah, 420 nanometers. That's blue. You've got a different spectrum, which is basically the, the red light at around 630 nanometers. How it works is this light itself activates a chemical called porphyrin. And porphyrin is secreted by your c acne bacteria. So when that happens, it creates an um, oxidation. And then the bacteria gets killed because of the light. Now, there's a couple of caveats to that. Number one, you need a high fluence, right? So you need a really high fluence to actually activate that. Um, and that's where, even when we're doing um, light treatment, we need at least, you know, seven to 10 minutes of blue light. The second thing, the caveat to that is that your, uh, so patients are skin of colour. So myself or dark, we have a gene called opsin 3 OPSN3. And that basically uh, is on your melanocytes with your pigment-producing cells. So when light hits that, it activates the gene, and next thing you know, it kicks out more pigment. That's why you get post-inflammatory hyperpigmentation. Yes. So to answer your question, yes, it can help, but you've got to be very selective with what what you treat it with. And.
0: So we're now kind of in in the realms of... So we've done diagnosis through blood tests, through a a consultation with a dermatologist. We've simplified our skincare regimen. We've removed some of the potential stimulants or allergy-forming, you know, uh, ingredients from our life. What about um, diet? You know, can you trigger... um, Adult acne or acne in general with diet.
1: Hell yeah, does um, a bear in the woods? So yeah, the, <laughs> yes, it does. It, diet's an important part. So look, twenty years ago, derms just used to go, "No, diet is not related." But now we know, you know, with big studies, and it's kind of controversial as well. Yeah, um, depending on which studies you read, but I think most of us believe that. Um, dairy um, can can evoke that, so not just milk, but basically yogurt, cheese, the whole lot. And the second is a processed food, and the third is um, foods with a very high glycemic index. So things right. like your sugars and, and things like that, and your processed foods. Yeah, you know, your even stuff like grains, you know, white rice or white pasta. And what is really hard with diet? And I tell these patients time and time again, what really sucks with diet is that it's super hard to follow. So, for example, if you're on a caloric restriction um, because you want to lose weight, right, and you want to build lean muscle, you can actually keep. So you can actually have you know, that super strict on six days of the week. You have that one day where you have that binge day. Life goes on really good because you can make up for it in the other days. You can't do that with an acne diet. It's much like gluten sensitivity. You can't do that. You can't make it up. Because if you do that one day, next thing you know, you get a collection of zits. Your zits might take you, you know, two weeks before they resolve. Next thing you know, next week you're back, back on it. So when you're on the acne diet, you've got to be super strict. And I congratulate the patients who can actually do that for life. Um, I find that, you know, really difficult to do.
0: Is the acne diet pretty bland and joyless? It's
1: very bland. It's <laughs> very bland and it's very expensive as well. And there's a lot of things that, you know, we take for granted whether you're you know, your cappuccino or whether you're, you know, your cheese and crackers or what have you. See, so you, you can't have that. And then when you come to non-processed foods, you can spend a hell of a lot on, on good organic foods. Um, and, and that's a lot of money, yeah? So when you look at all that, it's a very severe restriction that's very unlike um, a caloric diet. Because people, like I said, you can be super, super motivated and you can follow your diet for six days of the week and you can lose weight. On, on the seventh day, you can have a little binge and you'll be fine. You can't do that for acne diet.
0: Is there a magic pill other than supplements? And I'll get you to talk about supplements, but is there a, a medicine for adult acne?
1: Yes, there is. It's called isotretinoin. Patients really hate it because when they Google it, they'll find 105 side effects related to it. Um, it it's, you know For derms, it is our go-to. We know it works. Um, and you know, the good dermatologists out there would know how to modulate that according to the patient. And we would know how to pick and choose which patients are suitable for that. Um, so one of the interesting things is this, um, because of the, I guess, the oral contraceptive pill, whether you're on Drospirinone, or acetate, they actually camouflage a lot of your um, adult female hormonal acne, right? So in patients, when they go on it, when they're teens or late teens and they carry forth in their, you know, in their 20s, they're acne-free, essentially. And then at some stage, they've got to stop that. And that's usually in their early 30s. When they stop that, next thing you know, acne, is just is it just comes out. So I think in this day and age, a lot of people are sweeping acne under the carpet. So uh, you think more
0: that. of us have acne than we know we
1: do? Oh, 100%. Yeah. 100%. So if you think about logically, and, and we see that all the time, yeah, oh, my, my acne's. Uh, my hormonal acne is actually a better because of the pill. We know that. But when you stop it, it's going to come out. And those patients are left in a difficult situation because most often they want to conceive at that stage, which means 90% of all the acne therapies out there can't be used. Yeah. Yeah. And that's why we see, that's why I see a lot of scarring in the uh, mid-30s to 40s uh, It's because of all these patients who have had no acne or very little acne or controlled acne in their 20s come off it and they have horrendous acne in the 30s, pick and next thing you know, scar. So there's, there's two, I guess, two peaks of acne scarring. One, when they're earlier uh, in their teens and the second, uh, in the late 20s, early 30s.
0: So... Let's go to scarring because it's a perfect segue now to talk about treatments um, that that are available. So we said, you know, light therapy can potentially reduce the um, active phase of the acne cycle. Um, but what, what do we do with the scarring? What are some of the options? I know there's laser, there's PRP. There, what do you like to treat uh, uh, acne scarring
1: with? Yeah, so we take one step back. When and I do this a lot on my social media, you know, the most important thing with acne scar or with acne is not to pick. So when you look at preventing or mitigating scars, something as simple and as cheap as an acne patch, yeah, you know, five cents, 10 cents at most for one patch, that reduces picking. And by reducing picking, especially in late onset acne, you mitigate scarring. So if we take a step back, just using those, you know hydrocolloid dressings super cheap you know five to six bucks from a chemist's warehouse that to me is brilliant if they can have that on so that that way their uh, lesions heal up quicker in a be- better moist environment that's you know that's bacteria free and, and traumatic free that heaps that that makes such a difference from there um the algorithm gets really complex so there's everything from lasers to surgery to, to chemical peels to, like I say PRP, um, light treatment, IPL, there's a whole heap of different stuff. Um, but I think, for me, it's educating the patients to actually mitigate scarring in the first place. But from there, if you've if you got acne scarring, it really depends on your, you know, your skin type, your type of scar, the skill sets of your practitioner. Um, the, whole heap, the algorithms are really complex. So I always tell patients, let's try to mitigate this before you actually get scarring.
0: So before we go, as I said, I could speak to you about this for, forever. I don't even have a, a adult acne, but I, I, there's so many questions I have for you. What about supplements? You know, there, there's a lot of talk about um, bolstering your immunity, your skin immunity as part of, um, he, or healing your gut because of the gut skin axis. What what supplements or what foods can we use to help uh, prevent and heal um, flare-ups?
1: Yep. so back to supplementation, I think when you look at the literature out there, probably the the, uh, elemental zinc or zinc sulfate probably has the highest amount of efficacy with that. Um, it, it modulates um, a lot of things, including the immune process um, and fights warts and also can help reduce acne. So I think for something like that, it's benign. You can buy that through a chemist. It's cheap. It's generally side effect free. Uh, by all means, if you're going to actually supplement something, supplement with zinc sulfate. Um, the collagen proteins and the collagen powders and all that, it, it, there's very, very, very weak evidence for that. But the evidence is a lot better when it comes to things like joints, uh, joint health, arthritis, the whole lot. So I always tell patients, look, the supplement side of things, it's harmless, it's relatively cheap um and even if it doesn't work placebo is 25 percent of the that's of the it game.
0: never yeah. forget the placebo <laughs> and
1: forget the placebo and, and if it, if you think that your skin feels better with it um because you've taken the collagen powder by all means knock yourself out because if it doesn't work your joints will thank you for it
0: and in terms of sugar you know we talked about um the effect of sugar and inflammation, um, I guess that that would be an obvious thing to cut out of yep. your diet if you're yep. in an anti-acne diet.
1: Yeah. So anything found in a packet, generally speaking, I tell people, anything found in a packet that tastes good, uh, generally speaking, is probably not good.
0: <laughs> and oils? <laughs> is there any kind of oil that we should switch to? You know, obviously we know that palm oil is like butane for acne. Are there any preferred oils um, that you recommend? as part of the acne diet?
1: Yeah, I mean, it's hard because you've got your... Uh, I, I think if you're going to cook something, probably olive oil would be good. Uh, I don't, you know, I don't like the essential oils in the face, yeah? So... There is a big list of um, communogenic versus non comedogenic oils. Um, I forgot that list, but all I remember is that it's not what you think. In other words, there's, <laughs> some oils out there, there's some oils out there which you can put on your face, which do not obstruct your pores, but there's a whole big list, and it goes from uh, comedogenic all the way to non comedogenic So I might have like a rain check on actually <laughs> expressing those oils.
0: And finally, what is the role of water and sleep? On adult acne
1: yeah so water i think it's it's hard because no one's really done a water deprivation diet and, and done a and, and done a, done a follow-up with that but sleep definitely because when you look at your circadian rhythm um part of it is your cortisol and cortisol as we know actually makes acne worse so I think having a really good um, you know, sleep pattern can actually uh, uh, affect your circadian rhythm in turn um, having effects on your skin. So, um, you know, basically have a good sleeping habit, uh, be regular with your sleep, get enough sleep and that could improve your skin.
0: Well, perfect. Thank you so much as always for chatting. I'm going to have you back. I've decided already. I think we should make this a regular day. I really appreciate your insight onto this topic. It's 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 one of those awful ones that um, you know, when it comes and it strikes out of the blue, uh it, it can be really quite devastating, especially if you, uh, you know, as you said, you've masked it with the pill or uh you've been lucky enough not to have it in your teen years and then um adult acne strikes. So I wanna thank you so much for sharing some of your insight.
1: No worries. Thanks for having me back. And um, yeah, I hope to do another podcast in the next couple of months. We're
0: going to do it. Cheers. Ageless by Rescue is brought to you by Rescue Me Academy. Reignite your relationship course. Love your relationship, but miss the early days? You're not alone. This course will teach you how to identify your issues, stop the fighting, find what you need to be happy, re-spark intimacy, and keep the lines of communication open. Join us at rescuemeacademy.com.au to learn more about the program and to download your first free lesson. I hope you enjoyed this episode. And if you did, please share and rate this episode. I'd love that.